We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Computer, this is Data. I'm an Android. I'm a basketball. I was processing all of the information. Processing. It's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. Rangers pick basketball. Analytics was crap. Does not compute. Just because you got good stats doesn't mean you're a good team. Hello and welcome back to the Lakers Exceptionalism Podcast. My name is Tom Z, joined as always by Tim, aka Cranjus McBasketball. Tim, we are back. We're recording this here Wednesday afternoon before the Clippers game. But we have real basketball to break down and talk about a little bit here, Tim. But uh, before we get get into that, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing well, man. It's uh, It's been a little bit of a long week, but... Uh... I'm excited for another game tonight. Let's get back to a winning record. Hopefully we can break that streak against the Clippers. Uh, but I don't know, just just getting through things. Had a good Halloween. Uh, dressed up, had a nice time. It's always so cute having you know little kids come get candy. And uh, every now and then I guessed the kids outfit incorrectly and they were like really offended by that. Um, <laughs> it was a blast. It was a blast moving out here in the suburbs. Wait, are you willing to share what you dressed up as? Um, I think I'll share that in the discord. Oh, I see. That's a great tease, Tim. Absolutely. That's a professional tease there. Screenshot a YouTube subscription to get in the discord and DM that's Tim or I. Anyway, Tim, Lakers are two and two. Every game has felt like life or death. Um, It hasn't been pretty, but two and two, I think when we discussed uh in, a, in the off season, what the schedule would look like. Coming out of this stretch two and two is uh, was something we were both pretty happy with. So don't care how it get there. Two and two record is what it is, even though it took a grind against Orlando. Uh, no Booker, no Beal against Phoenix. You know, not as competitive as we like against Denver and a tough overtime loss against Sacramento. But we're here. We're two and two. And the Lakers are dealing with some some injuries of their own. So it hasn't all been smooth sailing. Uh, so it's good to see them kind of battle through some of that adversity. Yep. I, when I was projecting the first 10 games of the year, I had us two and two at this point, but I had us losing the Phoenix game, winning the Sacramento game. There have been some, and, and it was like this last year too, some like really wonky shooting games from the team. We've, we've seen a couple that like when you stack up this year and last year from a three point shooting standpoint, they were around average, but that Phoenix game dude was like the second worst three-point shooting performance this Lakers team has had last year, last playoffs, and this year. So it was just like such an anomaly for a team that should be so much better than that. And then uh, we had another game that was like 30th percentile or so. so like not average, not horrendous, but also not very good. And it's just been good to see the team be able to grit out some wins despite those things. And I, I think at a high level, if you look at like, oh no, the Lakers struggled to beat a Phoenix team without these guys. Like it looks worse than I think it was. And some of that shot making variance is coming to bite the team in the butt, but there are other like real legitimate issues happening that we'll talk through, but also some, some nice price spots. So Mm -hmm. a little good, a little bad at the end of the day, it's the win loss record that 
really matters. And then getting right by the time you hit the playoffs. And one thing I will say is in all of the stuff that I'm tracking with the scheme, we are so much further ahead right now than we were a season ago at this point. Mm-hmm. And that makes me excited. And I'm seeing things that are good long-term, but just like we said preseason, like this defense is going to take a little bit to catch its stride because they're doing so much so quickly. So I don't know, have patience as a fan. I'm like, Oh, this is annoying. This guy's not shooting well. We didn't win that game. But as an analyst, I'm trying to be patient with it and see like, okay, well, what here is shot variance? What here is, you know, we're not getting good shot quality. What here is we made a bad game planning decision versus, you know, we, we had the right game plan and the other team just hit shots. And it's, it's been a mixed bag, but I'm still fairly optimistic. Yeah. Lakers right now, Tim, I was looking it up. I have it here on non heave three point attempts. They're under 30%. They're fifth worst in, in the league. 29.92%. Uh, just feels bad. Uh, that said, they are eighth in two point field goal percent. So, you know, they've been getting better points in the paint and, and they were really good in that uh, mid range against Orlando there. So, yeah, it's it's been ugly, but all things considered, they're like, I don't know, middle of the pack, I think, and like shot quality or no. I mean, uh, what was it? Three point rate. Yeah, that's what I was looking at. So I don't know. All things to take into consideration, um, Tim. But first, let's kind of start with some of the rotations that we've seen. Uh, we've carried on through to the regular season with the same starting lineup with Torian Prince and. That has been good. I think he's been great. Like every other game's having like 18, 20 point scoring outbursts, uh, hitting tough contested threes. One of the few guys who's actually shot the ball well. Um, but there have been some, I I would say, growing pains on some of the things that we've been calling out on stream. Uh, not staggering D'Lo and LeBron, although that has been getting better over the last couple of games. So I guess taking it from the rotation standpoint, uh, what are some some good, some bad that you're seeing, some things you'd like to see change, I guess? Yeah, you called out one of the big ones that I wanted to see change, and we at least have one game of it changing, and that was, it was really about staggering the rest between D'Angelo Russell and LeBron James. Earlier, like, it makes sense to have them both start, it makes sense to have them both finish, but in between like the starting lineup groupings being together earlier in the year. Well, we're all, we're early right now, but the first three games of the year, it would be both D'Lo and LeBron sitting at the same time and then playing at the same time and then sitting at the same time. And so we would see a lot of Reeves Vincent backcourt minutes. And while I think Reeves is a good secondary playmaker and he's a, he's a plus value from a ball handling and playmaking standpoint for like that role. I don't think we necessarily like it's not the best thing for the team right now for him to need to be like point guard Austin Reeves and his him compared to other guys doing that job. He adds less value compared to him among shooting guards, adding value as a playmaker. And so I don't think he was slotted the best. It's good that we have him available and, and Gabe as well. They can pass well. I don't think they're quite lead ball handler quality right now from a playmaking standpoint for different reasons. And we saw the team, you know, struggle a little bit. And then on the flip side with D'Lo and LeBron out there together, they kind of took turns in terms of like, who's running the show. And we heard that, that mic'd up moment with LeBron in the first game where he was like, you know, I can play point guard too. Like I'm just out here floating around something like that with the change to stagger their his rest and D'Lo's rest we're now seeing when they're in on the court other than with the starting group like LeBron's clearly running the show or D'Lo's clearly running the show and that doesn't mean they're always on ball but it's it's much easier for them to be put into playmaking situations and not have like almost excess playmaking with certain groups and then lacking playmaking with others so that's been encouraging for me to see we've seen it have a drastic impact on the shot quality that like Austin Reeves has gotten. He was averaging an expected one point per possession from games one to three in half court situations in game four, when he was paired more with LeBron rather than being a lead ball handler that went up to 1.24. 
So just a game, but we saw a big jump. And then we saw for LeBron, actually, his average quality went down from 1.14 to 0.96 in, in game four compared to the first three. So he's taking harder shots, but that's because he's creating more. I think that's really what the, what the story there is telling us. So I'd say that both of them are slotted better and it leads to more effective lineups. But you still do want Reeves, LeBron and uh, D'Lo all out there together a lot of times as well in the starting group. So I think they've found the right balance. And to me, that's one of the major things I've noticed with, with the rotation that I was upset about, but they've fixed. Yeah, it's gotten better. It's the offense looks better when you have somebody in there, especially like a, a D low, um, the, the shooting again, I think it could look even better, you know, if they shoot even like a league average, which I think this team is closer to than a, a bottom five shooting team, right? I don't, you don't think this team's a bottom five shooting team long-term, do you? Oh, absolutely not. No, yeah. we, we've seen this team's just underperforming right now. When we, when yeah. we look at the shooting compared to the expected shooting, and I, I tweeted this out yesterday, like Austin Reeves on average is like scoring when, when we just look at his shots, not like free throws drawn or, or turnovers, he's underperforming by a quarter of a point. Well, almost 0.24 points per shot. He's, you know, scored less than expected, just just on average. Uh, that's not good. He's also taking fairly hard shots. Only LeBron, Christian Wood. Yeah, only LeBron and Christian Wood have taken harder shots than Austin Reeves. And I don't know. That's while he can make some of those middies and, and do some good stuff like that, like it would be great to see him be able to be set up a little bit more and play more of a role like he did last year. So I think the change has been good for him. Um, I'm showing right now for the people here live with us a dashboard that I put together that if you're in the Discord and you're subscribed to the right tier, you have access to and you can look at a ton of different things. Right now I have on here, this is expected points per possession on shots only, no turnovers, no free throw trips by quarter per by person. And you can you can see how Austin stacks up with others. It's fairly low um, compared to a lot of his teammates. Only, let's see here, only D-Lo's lower. See, he's at 1.07. Yeah. Only Delos taken harder shots than him so far. And then I, I don't think we count Max Lewis. So I got lost in my dashboard. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> yeah. Um, Austin's had a rough go of it, but I think um, you know, I think he's allowed to have a couple bad games. We'll see if he can shake it off. Tim, last game we called against Orlando, it must have been like four or five in and out rim shots, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know what other analysis I have other than like they're they're almost there. It's not like he's breaking these things wide left or something. You know, it's sometimes shots don't fall in the, the three, four game stretch. And it happens to everybody at some point during the season. Yeah, I, that's an important thing to remember. Just because we're seeing it first doesn't necessarily mean this is how it's going to continue. Something yeah. like shooting performance is you know, we know variance is a part of that. And when you look at a guy's like average shooting over two, three, four or five game stretches, you in a year will have good stretches that are where you're like shooting crazy hot. And then other stretches where you're shooting like ice cold. And just because he started the season ice cold, I think it's left a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths. Um, Gabe Vincent also underperforming drastically from three, although on his two pointers, he's, he shot well, uh, Cam Reddish underperforming his shot quality by, by about a quarter of a point as well. So a couple of these guys just like haven't shot well. And it's important to remember that like you can still have like a 40%, 37% three-point shooting year. And during that year, have little stretches of time where it doesn't look great or it looks fantastic. And I don't know. It's just we we're, we're, we can't be that naive. Like we've been here before. We've seen this. It's It's going to get better. We know it's going to get better. It, because we know he's a better shooter than that. And at a team level, there have been enough of those guys that have been underperforming that the overall numbers don't look great. But I'm not necessarily super upset about it. Like, that's that's one thing that is more fake yeah. than real to me. And we've seen him take more pull-ups. You know, we've seen him take, like you said, tough shots. I think a lot of the shots that we've seen him go down over the last season, uh, World Cup and preseason, just 
haven't gone down in the last few games, but mm-hmm. little Austin side tangent, but uh, keeping things back on the rotation here, uh, we have seen Cam Reddish become kind of the, you know, predominant wing off the bench. Much to our chagrin, we would like to see Max, I think both of us. Um, I know you did a great film deep dive into the point of attack stuff that Cam's done. And it's been like Cam and Prince at the point of attack chasing around screens and hasn't been great. But overall, what's your kind of takeaway as uh, Ham is trying to get a sense for what Cam can contribute because he couldn't um, take a look at him in the preseason? Yeah, I'll speak to, I guess, what I've seen first. And that's like Cam on offense. The job is like stand in the corner, catch and shoot. Pretty good shots. His his shot quality is quite high. Uh, and, you know, we see that in data. We can see that when we're watching the games. He's getting like pretty good looks. I've got his expected shot quality at 1.31 points per possession. 1.31 yeah. points per shot. That's first on the team. Yeah, that's first on the team. Oh, no, second. Jackson Hayes is ahead of him because he's just dunking. Um, yeah. But that really stands out. So it's an easy, easy job. And yet he still has been underperforming. We, with him, unlike with D'Lo, with Vincent, with Reeves, with other guys, he hasn't really been a great three-point shooter in the past. And so I don't, I'm, you know, I think it's going to ba- bounce back somewhat, but I don't have super high hopes that he's suddenly going to become a great shooter. So offensively, I'm not loving that. Defensively, to, to your point, we did see the Lakers play and this was really odd to me I didn't I didn't like this I said this on the streams and we've seen the Lakers go away from this more recently but the first couple games of the year they had like Torian guarding point of attack and that slotted D'Lo and Austin into like having to guard bigger guys than they normally would and that just exacerbated size disadvantages and it made it look worse than it needed to be and we saw that with Cam Reddish off the bench playing point of attack and you know, Vincent and whoever Reeves or dealer, whoever else guarding more off ball. And in looking at those plays, there were some good ones. And I certainly saw people tweeting out the good ones in the video clips. And I think it's always more fun to tweet out the good ones. And I'm <laughs> never in a position where I'm like, I want to tweet out like lowlights of a guy, but I'm also watching all this film. And I know, you know, he had, 12 bad plays and five good plays. And you're only going to see the five good plays on, you know, posted on Twitter. And that's just not a good representation of how he played. So I did a deep dive on him and I'd done various deep dives on other guys in other areas. But for Reddish, I was curious about curious about the defense because offensively, we know what he is. Defensively, is there something there? Could that be what gets him that playing time? And I did see some of those good plays. There were way more bad plays than good ones. And on a lot of, you know, a lot of occasions, it just didn't result in a bucket being given up uh, or he caused the breakdown that like two passes later led to the open corner three because his teammates had to, you know, help him. And and then there was no one left to help them. Little things like that, that I don't know. I, I don't think he's the answer as a point of attack defender. I big picture. I don't think he's played well offensively and defensively. I don't think he's played all that well either. And I can post all of the clips, but I just feel like that's like a really crappy thing to do. And so trust me, bro. I don't, I don't know how to, I don't know. Maybe I can just post like here are all of the clips and here's how I graded them. Might be a, I mean, a more, yeah. you know, not Tim's a jerk kind of thing to do, but I, I'm not happy with what I've seen from cam so far. And to the point where, and it's an area, it's not just the shooting. It's like, all right, with the defense, I don't suddenly expect this to get much better. And so understanding that that's more stable, the shooting, you know, whatever. I don't think this guy is who I want playing those minutes based on a lot of the lineups he's been in. It's been more like he's replacing Vando minutes, which I guess makes some sense. Uh, But if he's taking away like Max Christie minutes, I'm not happy with that because Max is a good three-point shooter. He he, he had a B three-point shot making great last regular season. If he's getting these super, super easy shots, he's going to knock them down. And Cam's not that guy. And then defensively, Max is a, a really strong player as well. And I think comparable to Cam Reddish from a like impact and talent standpoint. So in different ways, not as much of a, a disruptor, but Max is good at some of that stuff too. And my speculation, this is not sourced. This is purely Tim speculating, but 
my guess as to why we've seen Cam play these first four games and we have not seen Max is when Cam was signed, he was signed and told, you know, you're going to have an opportunity to compete for those minutes. And because he got hurt in preseason and the team didn't get a real shot to look at him, they're giving him that time now. And they probably, I mean, I would hope they would pull him and Max aside and say, Hey, first five games, those are going to be Cam's chances. After five games, we're going to reassess and we're going to, you know, reconnect. And in the film room, I'm sure they're pointing out the good, pointing out the bad, but are, they're probably approaching it in a way where Cam doesn't need to be looking over his shoulder anytime he makes a mistake because you're not going to get the best out of him in those situations. It's super early in the season. He is an unknown quantity to a certain extent, at least compared to just about everyone else on the roster between guys returning and guys you saw in preseason. So I get giving him a real shot because it helps from a, you know, agent relationship standpoint, it helps, you know, kind of hold your word. If you told him he would have an opportunity and it lets you know immediately to start the season, what you have in him. And maybe he is the better option. And, and they were are able to find out immediately. I don't think he's shown that, but I think going into the situation, it, Max didn't have a huge enough lead in terms of how he had performed in preseason summer league and last year that I think it was like a blunder to go with cam instead of Max. But with how they've used him and how he's performed, I'm I'm ready to go the other way. Yeah, I mean, at the same time, I can't sit here and say, you know, four-game samples, like, check this guy. Um, <laughs> you know, going off of what I said about Austin, people are allowed to have bad games and take time to incorporate themselves into the offense and a new team. But I don't know, man. This get, Going back to giving this guy a two-year contract with a player option, like the clutch connection – you know, it's we we kind of knew what this guy was, and to my viewpoint, he's not different than what I expected to see. He's breaking <laughs> corner threes like a foot over the rim, dude. Yeah, like yep. it's not even close. He's taking th- three on one fast breaks by himself, and oh, he got fouled, so yeah, he got the points. But it's just like bad, bad process to me too. Yeah, I think he's done things that he's done things poorly that are in areas that like we can trust a little bit more. Like he's I understand that the threes haven't fallen fallen. And I, I think that looking at his performance compared to looking at like, you know, Gabe or, or Austin's three point shooting is that I'm looking at what Reddish is doing defensively and saying, like, this isn't it. Like, I don't think he's going to get better as a screen navigator overnight. I don't think he's going to be able to defend the point of attack better overnight. Whereas, oh, you know, we know these other guys were good three-point shooters on a tiny sample. They didn't shoot well, and we know shot variance is a huge part of that. So I think that's part of the difference for me. If if you're listening to this and wondering, well, you know, you just said you're being patient with these other guys. But I, I don't know. I, I do get if if you're thinking about, like, what's the best way to get the best look at him and Max, I think doing this and giving him, like, a little chunk of time, five games isn't a whole lot, big picture, but it's... And I don't know if it's going to be five. If it's 10, I'm going to be upset. But if it's like starting to, you know, he got four games or maybe he gets five games and then it's it's Max's turn to prove himself. But I think just that approach of, you know, play how you're going to play. You don't have to be playing scared because the second you make a mistake, I'm pulling you out of the game. It makes him more comfortable. And if Max were in the same position, I would want the same thing for him. So I don't know. For me, like, how do you manage and keep guys in, engaged for 82 games? being transparent like that with both of them and then giving them some degree of stability and comfort makes some sense to me. Um, so I get it. I guess yeah. what I'm saying is I'm ready for Max. I'm done with Reddish right now. Like, I don't think he's a better move. I still think he can contribute this season. Uh, I hope they keep him engaged all year. I hope he can improve this year. But And I understand why Darwin has done what he's done, possibly. I, again, I'm speculating. But yeah, I'm, I think Max is the better player right now. Look, I'm happy to be patient. He's a Laker. I want him to succeed. Don't get me wrong. There's a reason he signed for the minimum. There's a reason we watch his film for several years. He's shown a lot of poor decision making, you know, lack of shooting. I think there's a point where his negative gravity is going to really start to affect the lineups that he's in as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And unless his defense is outstanding, he's going to have a hard time at making that up in some of those second units where the spacing is going to be helpful for 
uh, D'Angelo Russell, Gabe Vincent lineups that are, might have a lack of playmaking or, um, yeah, I, I don't want to spend too, too much time on Cam. I just thought it would be worth mentioning that, you know, we're getting a look at him. We would like to see more Max. And it's curious that we didn't see any Max at all, Tim, uh, after Rui and Vanderbilt were out last game. Yeah, I think we might tonight because Gabe yeah. Vincent is also going to be out. I, I think if we yeah. don't see Max tonight, that would be probably the first game where I have concerns with the coaching staff's perception of Max, I guess is how I would phrase it, because this should be an opportunity for him to play. But yeah, even even with Rui out, we saw them go to a nine man instead of adding an extra dude. And I think it ended up like, working out fairly well. Like they were the, the playing time they were able to get for guys made some sense. Um, let me, I'm trying to pull up the right game here. Uh, but his minutes were decreasing until, you know, this last game cam reddishes were so. Yep. For what it's worth. Yeah. They had been going down, like going down quite a bit. Here's the nine minute rotation the Lakers ran. And so we, we got a good bit of Gabe, you know, Cam got his three stints. Hayes got like a stint and a half, but it was okay. We saw a lot of Christian Wood towards the end of that game. And I think if we're looking at, you know, how the team wants to start or close or anything in between, I, I don't know. What have you thought of Christian Wood's play so far? And are you, have you changed any, has he impressed you anywhere? Has he disappointed anywhere? He's another unknown, you know, somewhat known quantity. We've certainly done our research on him, but what did you think of? We haven't talked about like his defense on KD or how in the Sacramento game, we didn't see him and Rui play as much. And I think I know why, but what are you thinking in terms of how he's played and how he's been used so far? Yeah, I think but a lot of credit goes to you for doing that deep dive, you know, in that Christian Wood pod we did uh, kind of previewing some of the bigs that were available and, and you really priming myself and, and our audience for what to expect. And if I'm being honest, it's it's what I was expecting and slightly better. You know, he showed some really good help defense chops in the uh, crunch time of that Orlando game, getting a couple key blocks. You know, he's been one of the more important fourth quarter contributors in their two wins. And I think, if anything, there's something to be said about the Lakers in the right matchups, of course, being able to use more of their bigs lineups. Um, but, you know, being able to, you know, bring the ball up and like getting breaks and kicking it out and stuff. He is dynamic skill set that I think the Lakers could tap more into. And he has been not perfect on defense. There's definitely instances where he has been slow to rotate or a, a switch hasn't been communicated, giving up an open three. I think some of those things can be cleaned up and tightened up. I think some of those things are going to be what they are, but I think he is from better or worse, like slightly better than what I was hoping for, at least right now. Okay. Yeah. I would say that what I'm seeing from him now aligns pretty well with the late season film I watched on him where like he rotated pretty well. Uh, like he was, he was doing a pretty good job. He was just just living in some like hellish lineups where everyone around him was just making mistakes all the time. And I think we've already seen between preseason and the regular season that like Christian Wood and drop coverage isn't the best. Like I, he's not the kind of rim protecting presence in those situations, you know, being attacked with someone going at him downhill that AD can be, or other defenders can be on other teams, but in the right situations, he makes a ton of sense and is really effective. And I think that's what a lot of it comes down to with him. On previous teams, he was paid a lot, was a top, you know, top of the pecking order or close to it. And it created issues in those situations when he wasn't performing well. And a lot of that poor performance was, oh, he's not a great matchup in this game. But if you're paying him so much money, you like can't take him out of the game. Like we talk about guys being like played off the court. When you're paying someone so much money, they can't be played off the court. And that's really when it's a problem. But on a minimum contract with this Lakers team, when you have the depth the Lakers have and you have the different types of options that they have, there will be some great Christian Wood games where defensively it makes so much sense. Offensively, he's exactly what you're looking for. The defense is switching a lot. So we want a guy who can, you know, set a screen, 
and then post up a guard. And he's been great with that. We saw that already this season. Other times where it's like, oh no, the defense is in drop and they're sagging off really hard and the pick and pops are wide open. Jackson Hayes isn't good at that. AD was, you know, may, maybe um, on low volume has been okay so far. Christian Wood, we know is a good pick and popper. So, you know, plug him into those situations. But when it is, we're facing, you know, hedging and we're going to get some lob opportunities, throw Jackson Hayes out there. I want AD in those looks. Like there, there are times where he makes sense. There are times where he doesn't make as much sense. If you say, we want to play drop coverage, he's probably not your guy if he's that center. And he can be great as a like off ball, you know, just a larger dude um, in terms of rotating. It's, you know, he's bigger to have rotate. And I'd rather have him rotating than a LeBron or a Rui as that secondary rim protection. And then that slots LeBron or Rui as the tertiary, like third rim protector in some of these lineups. And, you know, the, just the general size is good. We know he's a really good rebounder. We've seen that already. And so like, the shooting that he's able to bring and how that allows the Lakers overall in lineups to be bigger, better at rebounding and better at rotating and better at rim protection is like really positive. But then there are other games like the Sacramento game where I watched the film and I'm seeing him like really struggling dude, to like chase like chase around yeah. and like it's a bad matchup for him. Yeah. Yeah, there were some where you could tell he was supposed to chase this guy, and then it was just like switch, like last minute, and then yeah. it looked like it was poorly communicated. And it was because yeah. he got drilled with a screen that he just couldn't get around. So there are going to be certain teams where he doesn't make sense to start or close or even play all that many minutes. There are going to be other games where he makes a ton of sense. And I think having him as a guy whose minutes can kind of flex a bit based on the mashup works well for him. It works well for the team. I hope the coaching staff is able to communicate some of these things. So he and Hayes aren't just like, I don't know when I'm going to play ever. Um, I hope they're like, Hey, we know this team drops a lot. You're going to get opportunities. Hey, Jackson, we know this team hedges a bunch. We're going to need you. Cause I think defensively, they're both not really drop bigs. They're more mobile coverage kind of guys. So at least in that respect, that dimension of the game, you get similar things from them, except for what is a much better rebounder than Hayes. Offensively, though, it's really about like which tool do we want? Do we need the the flathead or the Phillips screwdriver? And the Lakers have both, and it's good to have both, but you don't want to use the wrong one every game because it's not going to do as good of a job. And so I don't at this point in time, I don't want him to start, but I think sure. having him in bench situations where it's really easy for the rest of the 48 minutes of lineups to stay basically the same other than making slight tweaks based on the scheme that you're facing or the opponent you're facing with his, his minutes, Hayes minutes, Vando's minutes, potentially uh, that, that to me is a huge asset to the team and a much better situation where he's like paid at a rate where in his role on the team is at a place where it's going to be much easier to kind of use him as a role player and keep his buy-in and not have any issues um, and not be like, oh, no, we've got a $30 million guy, you know, playing eight minutes and all of the ramifications that can have for the rest of the, the team's performance, like we saw with Russ, like not playing well. And it's like, all right, well, we wish we could have used that money elsewhere. Christian was not taking up money to, you know, we, we've got high quality role players elsewhere because guys like him are on minimum contracts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? 
You need Indeed. He's played the entire fourth quarter of both of the Lakers' wins. Mm -hmm. And both of those games were great matchups for him on both ends of the court. The Sacramento game, he should not, like, they took him out and it was the right thing to do. And and that's good. And I think people, we're going to see people all season long be, like, really upset about this and not understand when he is and isn't a good matchup. Sure. And then also be really upset when, in the worst matchups, he's, like, not producing as much because it's just not a good matchup. Um, and And in that Sacramento game, even, you know, again, even the right certain lineups, he was really good in that second quarter. Came in, hit three threes like mm-hmm. pretty quickly, you know. And mm-hmm. if he can still find those in the bad matchups, find the small, you know, fifteen minutes, you know, the night where he can be impactful, stretch the floor, be a good connector, and provide closing level possibility in his better matchups. I think, yeah, that's. I mean, he's a minimum contract man, like. You know, you can't ask for much better than that. I think the Lakers could do a lot better at utilizing Hayes a little bit more in some of the matchups he could be better at. But um, he's also been fouling quite a bit um, as well lately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we I think that like there will be situations. I think you could have made this case in the Sacramento game that like he gives you enough offensively that it's enough to overcome the defense. That's not where I was, but there will be games where that is the case. Um, and then it comes down to like, how much is he involved offensively to make it worth it? Because if he's your fifth option and he's getting the ball one every eight plays on offense, but every play on defense, he's hurting you. It's not, you know, the value's not there. But if it's like, oh, great, we're, you know, we're playing a switching team and we're going to use him as a switch beater with these post ups, or we're playing a drop team and we really need his pick and pop game right now. Like, it's it's going to be a dynamic situation, I think, for me. It's going to be a bit fluid. When we look at all of the rotation players on the year, he has been the sixth most involved from a scoring possession standpoint when he's on the court. So he's generally been the third-ish option in lineups. And, and that's probably right around the borderline of where it's like, all right, is it worth it? Is it not worth it? So I still think the coaching staff's gonna got a lot to figure out with him. But he has certainly performed to a point where like people are asking questions that are questions telling us that he's playing well. And that's a good, good place to be. It's a good problem to have. Yeah, definitely. Um, I guess kind of just touching on last couple lineup thoughts that we have. Um, Still no timetable on Jared Vanderbilt. Rui's got a left eye contusion, which is weird. Um, have your thoughts changed generally about the rotation and like the big scheme, like when, when Vando comes back, I guess, and thinking of how you'd like to see, uh, the, the rotations final form kind of get utilized. Cause as much as that, that starting lineup succeeded in the preseason lately, they've been off to some pretty slow starts. And I think the theory of them are, is still sound, you know? So do you, Want to tweak that at all once they get a little healthier? Uh, once like guys are like once Fando's back, I think you need to to take a look at the rotation. I'm still of the belief that he makes the most sense as a bench piece, especially if you, you are also having like wood in those lineups and he's able to space the floor. That makes it a little bit easier. The fact that the Lakers aren't playing AD and Hayes together ever at all tells you a little bit about how comfortable they are with ADs spacing and three-point shooting. And just the problem, we were having this conversation in the discord today. The problem with the spacing in the three-point shooting with Vando and AD is like for them to change the scouting report on them, they need to be taking a lot of threes. They need to be taking an uncomfortable amount of uh, uncomfortable amount of threes for anyone who's not shooting well. Like I need like four or five threes up a game. And Jared Vanderbilt going one for three on the most wide open threes you'd ever seen standing in the corner. Does it like, it's not enough to where the defense says, all right, well, you know, he's turning down five open looks a game. He's putting up three and he's making one of them, maybe two. And in exchange for that, I can have, I can play goalie at the rim every play like that. That's the concern with a five out offense. If the team were still in four out one in, it would be much, much easier to play in him and AD together. But with how they're set up, 
it's going to be challenging. So I'm, I, I need to do some more thinking on this, but I think Vando should play. He should be off the bench and it's going to be at the expense of Jackson Hayes because I think then you're effectively able to stagger AD and Vando's minutes pretty well. He can still get in the twenties or, you know, 15 to 20 or so, which is about what he's used to and be in lineups that have like him and Wood and like LeBron or Rui. And you're like, you've got some wingy guys out there. You can switch a bunch. He's the only non-spacer in the lineup. He can roll and use his short roll playmaking uh, defensively. He can play point of attack if you want to, if you're going to switch his screen navigation concerns aren't an issue anymore. So I think there's a really, really good like bench roll for him. And the fact that like Christian Wood is playing well, it helps unlock some of that. Cause if Wood wasn't, and then you're just looking at like him and, you know, Vando and Hayes playing together. I'm, I'm worried about that too. So I think Vando and Hayes in a weird way might be competing for minutes because I think the team, especially if they're playing five out as they have, is going to really struggle to play them together. Um, I think the other part of this is, is the starting lineup performing well enough? Cause as you mentioned, like we've start, we've started slow and true in games overall, like here's uh first half, second half, four yeah. quarters. I'm showing on the screen. No, sorry. I was just going to say, like, I had to mention too, like the shooting's been bad. I mentioned it at the top, you know, mm-hmm. Austin Reeves has struggled. There's, there's other factors that, you know, so bring in the scheme is that, uh, you know, I'm just trying to f- frame it around. Like, I think the process is right with those starters. And I think that it, they've just kind of had some bad stretches. Yeah, I would say that they've, well, you know what? Let's take a look at it. Let's see. We're going to look at lineups. Let's uh, find the starting lineup. Okay, it's that second one right there. Their actual efficiency, 1.06. Their expected efficiency, 1.07. So that would tell me that, um, oh, let me throw in turnovers and free throw trips. Okay, so expected 1.03. Actual 1.02. So they've underperformed very, very, very slightly. Okay. And that concerns me. Like, this the shot quality they were getting in preseason was like way way higher than this. Yeah. They were getting open shots on like seventy percent of their looks, which was like too high to be sustained, but also like super encouraging. Um, if I find that group, let me see. Also, so is this maybe more of a factor of the defense that they're? I think, I think some of it comes down to scheme as well, too. With you know their their deep drop coverage against the Kings and um you know, defending with Torian Prince at the point of attack against Jamal Murray and stuff like that. Yeah, I that's definitely part of it. Um, I'm looking at the preseason data. I guess their expected shot quality wasn't all that high, um, even though they were getting some open looks. Uh, so yeah, I, I do think in terms of just like in general, starting slow, we've certainly seen the team not do themselves favors from a matchup standpoint with that lineup. Trying to put Prince at the point of attack is just not a good way to use them. Uh, we've also seen just like schematically on defense, like against the Kings, the team opened up and dropped coverage, which to me, my best guess for why they did that was they tried to take the simplest approach and said, Darren Fox shot, you know, 30% on pull threes last season. So we're just going to play drop. And there's more that goes into that decision for what coverage you should run. And I don't think they properly considered those things. Because the Kings are good against drop, they destroyed it, and it was only when the Lakers started changing things up that the the defense was able to kind of hold their ground a little bit more. So little things like that were like they, the game plan in the beginning was just rough defensively. Uh, hurts them as well. And right. something I'm showing now on the screen, we see first half, second half, game by game, their expected shot, uh, their expected efficiency in the first halves of these games has been substantially lower than the second half in in these games and mm-hmm. pretty to a pretty big extent the first two games of the year. So I've seen, and if we look like quarter by quarter, you can see in the third quarter, the team has, uh, and here's this Nolos overtime, going from the first to the second quarter, there's been like no change in expected shot quality. Going from the second to the third, there's been a huge jump. And that's because the team's making halftime adjustments. Mm-hmm. And then third to fourth, it's it's gone down a little bit. Um, I'm interested to see if that trend continues. 
I'm certainly seeing the adjustments the team's making at halftime and I've liked them, but they're just waiting a little bit to make some of those. And, and I don't know that that helps the team. Sure. All right. So I think the last kind of conversation I wanted to check in with you on is scheme, which was kind of tied up in the, the game planning we're talking about here now. Uh, saw exciting, you know, five out offense in the preseason. We were getting good shots, getting uh, Torian Prince, particularly like open, open looks. Delos operating meticulously, uh, able to get them, you know, great looks and, and over the last few games, it's devolved more into crunch time LeBron AD pick and rolls, which isn't bad by any means. But, Tim, I'm just wondering where you f- feel with the scheme, how it's evolved over these first few games. And just from where, where I'm standing, it seems like less sets being grand than, than I guess uh, maybe I was expecting throughout this first part of the season. I've seen, So I think the Lakers ended up setting expectations high by the end of last season because they improved that rate of running sets so much throughout the year. When we look at like this time last season where the team was in terms of like running stuff, there wasn't much going on. Um, I'm pulling up a graphic. Now I'm going to throw up on the screen here in a second. When we look at this chart here, which I've tweeted out a few times and it's, it can be a little confusing, so I want to explain it. Where is it? Here it is. When we look at the percentage of the Lakers offense, that's like an organized set play, or we're running a post up, the defense is sending help, and we're running those organized help beaters. The percentage of that compared to just like freelancing, over the course of last season, earlier in the year, it was hovering around 40-ish for quite a bit. The first like 40 games of the year, we were around 40%. It actually dipped a little bit and, you know, it was in the 30s a good bit. There was some in the higher 40s. But then around game like 42 or so, there was a change. And this was a little bit before the Lakers started making trades. And we just see it steadily go up and up and up and up and up. So by the end of the season, like 60% of the Lakers offense or so was like organized set plays. It was working better. There was a little stretch in here where we traded for new guys. They had to learn the plays, So the plays weren't as effective for you know, a chunk of games. And then once they learned them, then all of a sudden the efficiency jumped a bunch. Um, and we see that with the set and help beater efficiency here, they got the new guys that went down and then they started learning the plays and it went right back up And pretty much the whole season. That type of offense was more effective than the red line we see on the screen, which is the freelance offense. So far this season, when we look at how that has gone, uh, we'll say game by game, we'll go by attack type. And then let me take out special teams and broken plays and look at just the percentage breakdown. Actually, we can see that so far, percentage of the time the Lakers have run one versus the other. It's been bad. It's been good. Yeah. <laughs> it's been, the, the, while I try to fix this, the long story short is the Lakers have been running plays at a rate so far this season that would be on par with like, game like 60 of last year um okay they've been an organized offense 49 percent of the time overall and it was 45 percent in game one 53 in game two 40 percent game three and then 58 in game four which is really really high um we're, we're basically getting like a 50 or so game head start on last season in terms of learning that running plays is good where there is still opportunity and there was opportunity in the Orlando game was we saw for much of that game. And this was a game they ran a bunch of plays with the set play offense. And then also with the freelance offense, the Lakers weren't taking what the defense was giving them. Orlando was like kind of packing the paint a little bit against the Lakers ball screens. And LA wasn't able to drive downhill. There was a guy there. Their roles weren't able to get anywhere because there was traffic. And pick and pops were like wide open or like there, there were concepts to attack drop coverage that would have opened things up and the team just didn't use those. So they were pressing buttons in that game in game four. I don't think they were pressing the right buttons. But other than that one, I would say that the team has done a pretty good job in terms of play calling. And we've seen them cluster plays and say, like, this is working. Let's run it three more times in a row, which is something I like to see. So 
they've been fairly organized, especially for how deep into the year we are. And they've been pretty good with play calling other than game four, which I have a little bit of an issue with. Um, but I think they're building the right habits. Again, if the shooting is better and if they're calling plays 58% of the time, they're going to be scoring like 40 point quarters. We, we saw some of this towards the end of last season. Like the, the upside is just so much higher when you're healthy, you're running organized offense, you're running, you know, calling right plays and you're generating great shots. So overall, you would say in in the grand scheme of what you've seen for preseason for the first first four games here, you're feeling good about the Lakers offense, despite I, like their half court offense is still not great. Is that all the shooting you feel like they'll probably regress and, you know, still be a decent half court offense? I think they're I think the shooting is a big piece of thing down right now. And I think, you know, having poor play calling in one of the four games impacts the sample size a good bit. I expect this to be a good offense. I expect this to be a really good half court offense. I put out a uh, like a pulse check. I'm going to do this weekly this season where I put holes out on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Hey, through, you know, for the season so far, LeBron James has played blank. Is it He's played excellent, good, OK or poor. And I did that for every player. I also did it for Darvin Ham's offense, defense and rotations. The rotations did not grade out well. Um, only Rui graded out lower than those. Uh, and, and again, this was last Saturday and early Sunday. People were voting. Darvin Ham's offense, most people, well, not most people, a plurality of people said was good. 37%, 32% said it was okay. About 10% said it was excellent. 20% poor. I would say it's good on offense and the shot making has been really bad and some of the play calling needs some work, but for the most part, I'm kind of between good and okay. Defensively, I think it's been good and I feel strongly about that and it's not excellent, but it's been very good. And where we will start to see the results catch up is once the team is getting more practice under their belt, going from switching Monday to hedging Tuesday to in drop Thursday, which is a really tough thing to do. This was on Saturday, right? 10-28. So, like, I get that it's only two games uh, or maybe three at this point. But the fact that only <laughs> that 22%, 23% think 80 was just okay is, like, so crazy. That man is such a high bar to clear, too. But Yeah. This, we'll this was, the, yeah, so this was after end. the first two games. This was after yeah. Denver and Phoenix. And remember, in the Denver game, people were really upset that he didn't score second half points all that much. And... And yeah. looking at that film, and I think that I should probably address this. I forgot about this. It's been less than a week. Uh, it's been about a week. Um, in that second half, the team did call plays for him. In each of these games, the team has called plays for him. Sometimes, like, if, if let's say we're getting AD a, double, a, a post up and he gets double teamed and he makes the right play, kicks it out to an open shooter and they make a shot or miss a shot, we say, you know, AD drew help. And he found the right guy. He made the right play. That's impact. On some of these plays, he's a role man. And the defense is absolutely collapsing. And it leads to D'Lo or LeBron or whoever finding a wide open corner three-point shooter. That's still AD's impact. That's still his role gravity. Just because he's not the guy making the pass doesn't mean that he didn't impact the play. Um, And I think that's a really important thing to remember because this team has a lot of great role man sets in the playbook where if you do take the role away, it's because you were absolutely giving up something open elsewhere. And we've seen a lot of that, but not much credit given to AD for that. And I want to, I want to address that because I think he, I'm with you, man. He's been awesome. And this again was just through two games. I'm interested to see what this looks like this weekend and what the bigger changers are. And I think this will be a fun thing to track this season, just looking at how things, you know, go up and down over the course of the, the year. Yeah, I want to talk to the 1.2% of people who think Cam Reddish has been excellent. I just want to have <laughs> I just want to have a conversation with you I, and just get to know clips. how your brain works. Yeah, they, they saw those four clips on Twitter time. They're like, look at this. This guy's locked down. <laughs> that's why we're here, folks. Uh, I think that's going to do it for this pod. Thank you for joining us. We do these live on playback, so make sure you download the app, turn on notifications so you can get told. We do the pods kind of impromptu, try to be better with the schedule, but 
That's why you should download the app and get those notifications on. We will be back to do the game here in about an hour and a half, hour 45 for this Clippers game. It uh, doesn't look like we'll get James Harden, maybe P.J. Tucker. Well, it should be interesting kind of lineups here with no Gabe, no Rui, no Vando. So <laughs> join us on playback. Uh, as always, DM us a screenshot that you're subscribed to YouTube to get in our Discord. And uh, yeah, it's a lot a lot of stuff going on, Tim. After the um, after my big move here, I'm gonna be able to do another uh, adjustment of the uh, of the play of the week, the day, and get all our video awesomeness going up here too. Yeah, man, we got a whole lot of fun stuff with the uh, with the YouTube coming up. Now that you're you're moved in, we got fun stuff coming up when it comes to if you haven't joined any of these game streams just yet, it's us calling the game, which a, which is a blast. And then in addition to that you're also able to get um, like the pregame show content that we do. I I'm at the point now where I've built a template up. Like I've got the top plays, the other team runs. I've got which plays the Lakers should be running. We've got rotation maps. We've got keys to the game. We've got, you know, who are the stars who, what are their offensive engines and how do we defend them? What are, you know, what are some dark horses to have an impact on the game? Who, who's barbecue chicken on defense uh, who is their stop or what coverages do they run? So it's like the, Tim, yes, you're leaving out the most important part. What's the what most important AI part? images will Tim add to the presentation <laughs> today? Because I'm, folks, they have been unhinged in the best ways. I got a, I got a note from Bing yesterday when I was trying to pull an image for this Clippers <laughs> game. And it told me if you keep, putting in requests that are flagged for inappropriate content, we might have to shut off your access. Um, Because I think I just, I don't know. It's, it's stuff I don't think is inappropriate. It was like, I don't know, like Russell Westbrook in a clown costume or like, I don't, I don't know, but (laughs) I I don't remember what it was. When you use people's names, sometimes it, it sees it as being like, you know, um, like bad content or, you know, hateful speech or whatever you call it. Mm, yeah there was That's one funny. was it the suns game let me let me pull up that one where we had oh yeah i had the, the suns gorilla in guantanamo bay which was fine for bing but when i tried to put the suns gorilla and frank vogel in guantanamo bay it was like that is not okay buddy that's really inappropriate um we were i was trying to talk about how the lakers are gonna lock them down with the defense that's so, yeah, what you I get, I'll, folks. <laughs> I'll try to remove the names. Maybe that'll that'll help me out. But yeah, you got to go check that out. There's a bunch. Of, I've been having a blast now that the game's back. Uh, doing a lot in the Discord, and we got a bunch of great content in there. Check out the pinned tweet on my account for a graphic that shows what you can get at each level. Great conversations going on in there, and for all the stuff you see us tweeting out, we've got like I've got probably you know the same amount of content. You can basically double your Tim content if you go into the discord and then i know this is our first public pod in a while we've put up like three or four bonus pods since our last public pod as well so yeah if you're if you're looking for more content that is the place to go uh want to shout out tj timataji leo and green blue as arena sponsors for the pod and then zach harris q daddyo ipod shuffle omar romario neil mason and shabugan living the high life with us in the owner's box shout out to the courtside and liverpool crews as well you can get into this group for free if you want to get the bonus pods, you want to get the X's and O's content, you want to get access to that dashboard, you want to get access to all this extra stuff, it's pretty affordable stuff and you can check it out. You can get some like year-long packages as well, make the the monthly price a little bit cheaper and you can, you know, li- live your, your fullest Lakers exceptionalism life. We appreciate all of you and uh, join us on Playback to watch these games live. They're always a good time. So until next time, friends, we'll be back for the game tonight. Talk to y'all later.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.